0: Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, world religions, cults, and the occult. Number 12, the topic is Scientology, as we saw before. What's the little tagline there? It's not science, it's not tally, it's what? It is science fiction, what? Occult, and that's what it is. We've seen that based on the evidence so far. We've taken a look at the history of Scientology, started by a guy named L. Ron Hubbard. Of course, how, why is it involved in the occult? Because he was involved in the occult as early as 16 years old when he was a teenager. He got into Crowley himself. Then he really got into it with Jack Parsons, the founder of JPL, uh, as crazy as that is, doing all these um, occult rituals and things of that nature. Uh, so it's woven into the occult. Many of the practices of Scientology are a carbon copy of Alice Crowley, which again the media calls the wickedest man that ever lived, and uh, but most people don't know that because they don't know Scientology and they don't know the occult. Then we took a look, how did it get started? Well, he came up with this thing called Dianetics okay, is the big book, the break uh, breakdown, but again, when he started off with Dianetics, man, he was making hand over fist, because that's what he said, he quoted, he wanted to make a religion for money, and he got a lot of money, but then it started getting critics, started going downhill, and that's when he began to switch gears, uh-uh, nobody's going to take that away from me, and from then on, it's been doing basically that, now, how's he going to do that, well, first, he turned it into a religion, right, he turned it into Scientology, became a religion to try to give it status, right, uh, then also, he began to grab control, no, Nobody is going to take this away from me again. That's when he basically used a strong arm. They developed their own military force, which they still have to this day. As we've been seeing. They developed what's called the Guardian Office, and that basically is a version of the CIA. They infiltrated. We saw that one study a couple weeks ago. The United States government, Interpol around the world, they infiltrated, stole documents, did all kinds of stuff. Absolutely mind blowing. Okay, but then they also have what's called the RPF or the Rehabilitation Workforce. What do they do with dissenters? What do they do with whistleblowers? What do they do with anybody that disagrees with them and that might squeak out and give them bad press they send them off to a work camp and it's still in existence again we'll see uh, tonight if we get that far today also they have basically their own military they don't call it of course the military it's called the sea org or the sea organization okay as we saw there then of course what happened hubbard finally died he didn't die that of course the way scientology said we saw in great detail it wasn't because he was so advanced he achieved so many levels that his body was now an impediment and he just had to shed his body and and now continue without his body to more levels for the benefit of mankind. No, he didn't. He died. In fact, he died a horrible death, as we saw there. Okay, that's how they want to twist it. But it's almost like Howard Hughes part two. Serious drugs. He was seeing demons and probably was demon possessed with what he was involved in, as we saw there. Also, the long fingernails, it it was not good. That's how he really died, okay? Then it got transferred over, and this is where we started a little bit last time, with this guy named David Miscavige. David Miscavige, and he is the current leader right now, the current leader of Scientology. But he's done some things, we're going to get into that tonight, but I really do think that it has to do with the biblical rule. It's called you reap what you sow, okay? So let's take a look at some of those passages. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, open your Bibles there, Galatians chapter 6, right? And uh, we'll take a look at what's going on there, but Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read verses uh, seven through eight there. And uh, I love what Paul says here. And when you get there, say moo. Moo. A little bit, I'll wait for a better consensus from the herd there. That's like, "Isn't isn't that such a beautiful sound? Moo. Well, there's some demons in the audience, so, so, start, so you Mooers need to start praying against those balkers, whatever you want to call them. I don't know what they are. But uh, let's, all sorry, <laughs> Galatians 6, 7 through 8, let's take a look. Do not be deceived. Why not? Because, hello, God cannot be what? Mocked. Because here's the rule, man. A man what? You reap what you sow. And here it is. Here's your choice, man. You want the one who sows to please his sinful nature? From that nature, what are you going to reap? destruction and corruption right but the one who sows to please the spirit god from that spirit you're going to reap eternal life so that's it what you're going to sow what kind of crop you're planting and we're going to see i think the crop of mr miscavige tonight But let's take a look at another one though before we get started on him numbers 32 right numbers 32 that's that book that uh, written for accountants well acts was written for lumberjacks I saw it enough times, you find it there. Uh, <laughs> numbers 32, let's take a look there. Uh, verses 20 uh, through 23, right? And uh, Numbers uh, 20 or 32, verse 20 says this, that Moses said to them, if you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord before battle, and if all of you will go armed over the Jordan before the Lord, until he has driven out his enemies before him, then the, when the land is subdued before the Lord, remember, because they wanted to stay on that side and they wanted their land first. He says, OK, I'll, I'll let you do it, but you've got to fight when it comes time to fight. And uh, and so and he says, "Then the, when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land will be your possession before the Lord. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure what that your sin will find you out. How many times did your mom used that one on you? Right, <laughs> right. But listen, you reap what you sow, man, and you keep sowing to destruction. Hey, payday's coming someday. Sin's gonna raise its ugly head, right? And I really think that's what we see because, again, as we saw last time, I'll do a little bit of a recap. David Miscavige, he just he started with destruction. In fact, he was taking over behind the scenes with L. Ron Hubbard before he even died. This guy, in fact, is we're gonna see his own father, his own father. I don't think we're going to get that far tonight. His own father calls him ruthless, right? And guess what? Right now, if you look in the press, Scientology is getting smacked around, right? You've read what you sow, dude, okay? But let's take a look at Mr. Miscavige. Now, here's again the pictures we saw last week. As you can tell, the one on the left is him before he started eating chicken. The one on the right is when he started going to Canes, Popeyes, KFC, all those unfortunate establishments. No, that's when he got older, Okay, it has a way of doing the same thing to you, apparently. But anyway, that's David Miscavige. You've seen him in the media, seen him in the press, and he is the spokesman right now. And he has been for, I think, 30 years or so uh, for Scientology. But, but he was born in 1960, so he's 58 years old. He is the current leader of Scientology, we saw last time. Now, he started basically when he was a little kid. Right? And he got into it, and he, he even, when he was a teenager, basically was chumming up directly with L. Ron Hubbard before he passed away. Right? And we saw that the way that he got into Scientology is his dad was into Scientology. And uh, uh, Mr. Miscavige here, uh, David Miscavige, he uh, suffered from asthma and allergies. And his dad took him to a Scientologist, and supposedly within 45 minutes of holding the pop cans, right his allergies and asthma went away right then he basically became uh literally a considered a 12 year old i already wrote 12 up there i'll use it again 12 year old prodigy listen david miscavige became the youngest professional scientology auditor so at 12 years old two years younger than my son he's the one in charge of interviewing the people with the pop cans with their little that uh e-meter device remember that thing okay then on his 16th birthday with his father's permission Okay, he went off into their military, the sea organization, right? And then shortly after that, he starts chumming up with L. Ron Hubbard in California when he was doing his films and things of that nature. And then in 1980, okay, 1980 was kind of a watershed moment, okay? In 1980, Hubbard stops basically making any public appearances. He basically goes in hiding. Why? Because remember, he was hiding out on the sea for years in his boats, right? In the ships, and then he gets to land, and he's still on the land, okay? But now he's really hiding out. He's just bouncing around, right? Uh, well, during this time, listen, Miscavige, listen to what he did. Miscavige took control of the organization at that time, this is six years before Hubbard dies. This guy, ruthless is a good word. He began to take control even before Hubbard uh, passed away. In 1981, Miscavige was t- put in charge of what's called the Watchdog Committee and the All Clear Unit with the task of handling various legal claims. So he's now in control of the strong arm for Scientology. Then he became in charge of what's called the Author Services to manage Hubbard's financial affairs. So now he's starting to take the money away, right? Then he forced uh, Mary Sue Hubbard uh, who was the head of the Guardian's office, basically their version of the CIA, he forced her to resign, kicked her out basically, and purged, quote, several top GO officials. Then in 1982, this is only the second year after that, he sets up this uh, organizational structure to release Hubbard from personal liability to handle his personal wealth. So now he can't even touch it, right? Uh, Hubbard, that is. Then he sets up the Religious Technology Center to license uh, uh, all the intellectual property. Uh, then he sets up what's called the author services, again, to manage the proceeds of that. And then uh, in 1982, right? Then that's when we saw, and we saw the actual video clip from the court hearing. That was eye-opening, remember that? Of uh, Ronald Day Wolf, who changed his name. That was L. Ron Hubbard's son. He changed his name, didn't want to be known as a Hubbard. But he sued Miscavige because even he could see, listen, you're, it's a corporate takeover. You are embezzling from my dad. You're taking over the company but he lost and then uh, he uh, people began to break away hubbard's personal auditor uh, a guy named david mayo he began to like spin off like okay we're going to do our own scientology thing David Miscavige went after that guy. That got shut down. Uh, And then, of course, Hubbard finally died. And that was in 1986. And that's where we saw the actual announcement from the Hollywood Palladium, okay, of Hubbard's announcement. And that's when he spiritualized it. He just was so incredible. He just had to leave his body behind. Yeah, whatever, he died, right? But the one who was making the announcement was, guess who? Mr. Miscavige there right? Preferably the one on the left. Okay. But anyway, so anyway, that was back early. All right. So then finally, so he grabs control of the organization after that Hubbard is gone. He's got it. He's got all the finances. He's got the military under his hand. In fact, he assumed position as the head and he holds the rank of captain. And that is the highest ranking member of the Sea Org, which is their version of a military, if you will, which, which by the way, remember, they serve a billion year contract. Remember that? Can you believe that? Right? because they believe, again, in the false teaching of reincarnation. What's the Bible say? Again, Hebrews nine twenty-seven. it is appointed man to die once, then face the judgment. You're not coming back again and again. And Lord willing, when we finally get through the history, won't that be a day? Uh, then we're actually going to get into the workbook, and we're going to deal with the biblical problems, obviously, many of them with Scientology. But, so now he's on he's got it. He's got control. He's got the money. He's got the army. He's got the, their version of the CIA, uh, the Guardian's Office, which is now called the OSA. All they did was change the name. It's still in existence. And so now what's he going to do? Well, they had something early on back in the Dianetics day, okay, uh, around this time frame, but they lost it. And that was what? The IRS... Tax-exempt status, right? And part of that reason, the big reason why, was because what? It's historical record. They were infiltrating the United States government on a multitude of levels. They were stealing documents. They were breaking and entering uh, and things of that nature. Not just the United States government, but a multitude of uh, countries all around the world looking for dirt. Also looking for dirt to blackmail people so that they could not say anything against Scientology. That was part of the stronghold, okay, that that, uh, he was, uh, uh, even back with Hubbard, was setting up. Okay, and so basically, yeah, have fun getting your IRS. But, as we saw before, the wonder of wonders in 1993, guess who gets the IRS tax-exempt status? Scientology. Well, now we're gonna find out, how did they pull that one off? And it's the same thing, folks, it's intimidation, and blackmail. The same thing they use today, the same thing that Hubbard said, you ain't never gonna bring me down, right? Nobody's gonna take this cash cow away from me ever again. right, but that's what we're gonna see. Uh, Now, oh, by the way, if my statistics have it right, back when they were infiltrating the government in the 60s and the 70s and blackmailing people and stealing stuff and all that stuff, I mean, all over Washington, DC, remember all that stuff? Okay, there was upwards to 5,000 Scientologists infiltrating the government, this wasn't five people, right? About a handful of people went down eventually and got caught by the FBI and stuff. But there were estimates of 5,000 people infiltrating different governments. And if you think they've stopped, I've got some swampland over here. We could use some cash for the youth, you know what I'm saying? We could uh, sell you after so many, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Uh, now, how did he get this after infiltrating the government and getting caught? How did you ever? Get the IRS status. And I quote, 1991, so two years earlier, together with another guy, David Miscavige, with this guy named Marty Rathburn, they visit the IRS in Washington, D.C., and they arrange a meeting with the commissioner, a guy named Fred Goldberg at that time. And uh, for more than two decades, the IRS had refused to recognize Scientology as a non-profitable charitable organization. Gee, I wonder why, after what you got caught doing, right? So prior to this meeting, here's how they did it. Well, How's he going to get him to change your mind? Especially after getting caught infiltrating the government, including the IRS. Listen to what he did. And I quote, Scientology had filed more than 50 lawsuits against the IRS. So what did Hubbard do? He's following exactly the pattern set by Hubbard. Intimidation, intimidation. I will sue you. I will throw litigation at you until you absolutely either get financially destroyed or emotionally destroyed or whatever until you back off. So they started doing this to the IRS. And on top of that, they did blackmail. And according to the New York Times, Scientology lawyers hired private investigators, quote, to dig into the private lives of IRS officials and to conduct surveillance operations to uncover potential vulnerabilities. So they went in to find any dirt on to blackmail him. So we're going to come after you, we're gonna throw litigation at you, and we're going to dig up dirt on you, anybody in the IRS, so that uh, when we need to use that as leverage, we will. Then they took documents from an IRS conference, sent them to uh, officials to create a phony news bureau in Washington to gather information on the critics of Scientology. Then they also financed an organization of the IRS whistleblowers to attack the agency publicly. So they're coming at them all over, they're throwing dirt at them, they're digging up dirt, they're throwing lawsuits at them, doing all this stuff. And basically after two years of that, can we have a meeting? You see what he's doing? He's smashing them, blackmailing them, and it's time to meet. And so, and I quote: "Listen." So they meet with Commissioner Goldberg and Miscavige. Quote: "Offered to cease Scientology suits against the IRS in exchange for guess what? The tax exempt status. He had him over a barrel, right? And dare I say, it doesn't say it there, but I bet you they had some dirt. Oh, oh! If, you, if the lawsuits don't intimidate enough, open that envelope." What pictures do you see, commissioner, right? Unfortunately, that's, that's what uh, I believe went on. And then ultimately the church was granted recognition, okay? And, 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 but listen to how Scientology, they issued a statement that the ruling was based on a two-year inquiry with volumes of documents that showed that Scientology was qualified for the exemptions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, you, you blackmailed the IRS, threatened them. Crazy. But again, once you understand their history, it's not a surprise. That's exactly what Hubbard did, man. Nobody was going to take this cash cow. Miscavige picked up a ton up, and he ran with it, and they're still doing it today. You've seen the report, you know, things with Leah Remini. Uh, in fact, i got some documentaries that uh, uh, I'll give you some. Maybe we'll get to see some tonight, right? But the background, even the documentaries, the little pieces I'm going to show you, Scientology sent film crews to film the film crew while they're filming against Scientology, just to intimidate. And they even, I I don't think I have all those clips on these, but as I was watching them, paring them down, because I can't show you the whole documentary, I'll show you the meat of it, right? Uh, They they would sit there and say, why are you filming us? Oh, we're just filming your behavior for the record. Science, that still goes on today, right? But that's how they got their uh, tax exempt status. It wasn't because they just deserved it, right? They they blackmailed the IRS, okay? Now, when they did that, I'll tell you what, Scientology, they only got a lot of cash, because this is a cash cow, right? But uh, they got pomp and, they, I mean, they're, they're known for doing it, doing it up big, right? And I'm going to share with you a piece of, and, 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 and again, remember, remember the, the song? The song with the flying horse that Hubbard wrote? <laughs> remember I was sparing you? Because I didn't even share the whole three-minute song. I cut it off before your ears started bleeding, right? Because I love you, right? I didn't share with you the whole album. I didn't, I took a hit for you. But this announcement I'm going to share with you—it's only about three-minute clip, right? But the, the whole uh, the whole ceremony announcing this IRS two and a half hours, right? So let's just sit through 30, uh, three minutes of it or so, right? But this—notice how it's just all—it's oh, just like it's Hollywood, man. This is lights, fireworks, all, 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 right? This one. But here's how he announced they got their tax-exempt status. Let's take a look. From
1: its beginning in 1984,
0: the IAS has
1: expanded enormously, with its membership now active in over 100 countries. Members of the association have opened up vital dissemination lines, introducing LRH Tech to the far corners of the globe, bringing hope for the first time to millions of people. Individual IAS members have decided to take full responsibility for a desperate planet and bring about the aims of Scientology. And those who have made outstanding contributions now deservedly wear the IAS Freedom Medal. This evening, their ranks will be expanded with the announcement of a brand new award. Welcome to Los Angeles, California.
2: There will be no billion-dollar tax bill which we can't pay. There will be no more discrimination. There will be no more 2,500 cases against parishioners across the U.S. The pipeline of IRS false reports won't keep flowing across the planet. There will be no more nothing, because on October the first, 1993, at 8.37 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The IRS issued letters recognizing Scientology, and every one of its organizations has fully tax exempt! The war is over!
0: trust me, I'm sparing you because I quote, the crowd gave after the war is over. He gave, uh, uh, the crowd gave Miscavige an ovation that lasted more than 10 minutes. Right? But that's how he announced it. Like, are you kidding? You blackmailed him. You threatened him. The same t- thing that they do today. But anyway, so that's what he did. So he finally got, now he's really got a hold of everything. Now he's got tax-exempt status. He's really rolling in the dough, right? But he keeps on going. Now he's basically become the driving force behind Scientology. It has been for about three decades now, uh, basically, okay? And uh, basically, he's the new face, right? It used to be Hubbard, but now it's David Miscavige, okay? Uh, but, but he's very careful about how he does it. He, he, he's not replacing Hubbard, oh no, it's just, listen to this, he is the ultimate ecclesiastical authority regarding the standard and pure application of L. Ron Hubbard's religious theories. Oh, I'm not replacing them, but I'm the only one who can do it perfectly like he did, right? Just kind of the thing. But anyway, so he's also portrayed as, quote, a servant of Hubbard's Uh, message, not an agent in his own right. And he acts as the master of ceremonies to communicate with Scientologists worldwide. In fact, real quick, I shared with you when we were finished up the film in in New York for the SEALS documentary, I happened to flip on the tube in the hotel room there, and there was a Scientology network, right? So here is uh, uh, Miscavige, uh, because again, he's now the face of Scientology, announcing this new project, right? Uh, The Scientology Network. Let's take a look.
2: Hello and welcome. You've probably heard of Scientology. In fact, every six seconds, someone searches the question, what is Scientology? There's a lot of talk about us and we get it. People are curious. Well, we want to answer your questions because frankly, whatever you have heard, if you haven't heard it from us, I can assure you We are not what you expect, and that's what the Scientology Network is all about, to show you inside Scientology, who we are, what Scientology is, and what Scientology can do. So take a look, and then decide for yourself. I'm David Miscavige, and this is the Scientology Network.
3: a lot of this, where they put their hands over their eyes and look inside the window, and they're like, what is this?
4: Once you actually start talking to somebody about it, they're like, just, okay, what is Scientology?
3: Oh, well, what brought you in here? I'm just curious. So what this is is called an e-meter. It's the cutting edge of spiritual technology.
2: What it represents for Scientologists all over the world always has, and always will, is spiritual freedom.
0: No, it's spiritual bondage, is really what's going on there. Notice how they glorified that $20 ohm meter, right? Is when we investigated that thing, right? But notice, what I wanna notice, this reminds me of what the Mormons do, as we saw way back in the day. Remember when we journeyed through Mormonism? Yeah, that was starting 5,000 years ago. But anyway, when we went through that, that's one of the things that the Mormons do. They're masters of presentation right and the mormons what do they do oh we're just all about family family values I, every picture you see of them they're all just so nice very professional loving perfect family perfect style right? and all that stuff oh no it's a lot more underneath as we saw but that's how they snooker people right they, they it's all about the image did you see that these guys are spending big bucks man that's top-notch Uh, commercialization and it's young it's hip I mean it's professional it's clean I mean that uh, they use young young millennialists and look at them and they're happy (laughs) don't you want to be like us right they're spending that to redraw the image because right now they're getting slammed right but again I think he knows what a lot of people know the power of mass media even Hitler knew that right even the of your dirty deeds if you can get some good media out there people will buy into your story And I think that they're investing a lot into that. But uh, Miscavige, again, says his primary task is to preserve, maintain, and protect. Key word there, protect the Scientology, quote-unquote, religion. And man, is he using, once again, that strong arm uh, as well. Miscavige is, listen to this, to Scientology, what the Pope is to the Catholics, uh, a leader who sets the tone, establishes the goals, and ensures that Hubbard's practices and teachings are followed with precision. And that's a key word there, because if you don't do precisely what this guy says, you're in trouble. You're not in trouble. You might just disappear. We'll get to that in just a little bit, All right? Then he in- initiates his strategy in 2003. So that wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough to strong arm, blackmail. Uh, intimidate the IRS and you got your tax exempt status, right? Then later, uh, 10 years later, he wants to build uh, 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 tons of Scientology churches around the world, which he did and they still do, right? And and in every major city in the world, right? Including facilities in Madrid, New York, London, Berlin, Mexico City, Rome, Washington, D.C., Tel Aviv, Atlanta, Miami, San Diego, Taiwan, everywhere, right? It's because they're so successful. There's just so many people just hungering for Scientology. They can't keep up demand no that's what he wants you to think is they're spreading because of the need no he's investing that money to get the appearance that they're spreading very slick in what he's uh, doing he's also at this time he opens up what's called the national affairs office and guess where washington d.c. see it wasn't enough that you strong arm the irs into getting your uh your tax exempt status he sets up this office i truly believe and others will report, is because he's basically now the watchdog. I'm right in your midst, and I'm going to be eyeballing you. And if I hear one little peep in Washington, D.C., against Scientology, we're going to be right there to get you. Okay? That's really what I think this office uh, is really all about. And he declared, listen, but he says, no, no, no. Here's what it is. It's an office designed to give back to the United States government that steadfastly guarantees our religious rights, and the very freedom that allows us to do what we're doing today. <laughs> no, you're not. You're steadfastly watching to make sure they never say anything negative about you. And dare I say, I would say continue to dig up dirt in the midst of Washington, D.C. in case somebody gets out of line, right? He's never gonna go. In fact, they, they mention that uh, they're doing this at an odd time. Because right now, Scientology is what? Especially with the Leah Remini stuff going on. They're getting slammed, right? You've got, we're not going to get there tonight, uh, Lord willing, maybe next time, Lord willing, but his own dad's coming out against him. His wife's missing. If I get that far, we'll talk about that tonight. You've got all kinds of people that are starting to blow the whistles on Scientology, right? So then he goes into Washington, D.C., and just, oh, we're just here to make sure, you know, f- uh, for, for freedom purposes. And <laughs> No, you're not. No, you're not. You know that you're getting bad press, and just like Hubbard, nobody's gonna take this baby away. We're right there monitoring you. But they call it the National Affairs Office, right? And uh, you know we're, we're, we're to help in quote, American politics is what we're really doing. Uh, in fact, they say this, we're there to, with other faith-based organizations, to educate and inform policy makers about the importance of supporting religious freedom as a stabilizing component of democracy and civil society and how it can lead to the reduction and even the elimination of religious extremism and terrorism. That's like calling the. Yeah. The, 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 the calling the kettle black. Excuse me. Terrorism. That's your whole tactic. Right. But you're there to help prevent that. Whatever. Uh, but they, they say it was built to oversee programs around the country. And, and the world dealing with human rights. And drug addiction. And literacy. And disaster response. That's why we're there. Right. Well let's take a look at another guy. Who was involved with him. His name is Mike. Render. He's one of the, the current whistleblowers that uh, they're trying to bring him down, right? And uh, listen to what he says. He was, uh, for many years, ran Scientology's Office for Special Affairs. And, uh, and it was Render. Uh, he left the church in 2007. And here's what he said about Scientology's national political ambitions, right? Because they want to say, oh, no, we're there to help for religious freedom and disaster relief and drug addiction. He says, quote, it's another bad joke, That's Rinder saying that, right? Rinder left Scientology in 2007 after becoming aware that, listen, authoritarian and abusive nature of guess who? David Miscavige. And I'm talking about even pummeling people with his fist. I got, we'll see that in just a second. So Rinder, what happened was he was sent as an international spokesman for Scientology to defend them from a documentary that the BBC was making. Right? So Render defended Scientology and David Miscavige uh, at this documentary, but Miscavige didn't like how it turned out. He was, quote, unhappy with the documentary. So as a result, he punishes Render, quote, he was to report to Scientology's facility to, quote, dig ditches. Now that's not a euphemism. Guess what he was going to have to do? Dig ditches. Because we saw before, they got their own slave workforce. Right, and you get punished. You're either going to go into a camp. I'll get to that in just a second, or you're going into the RPF, which is a rehabilitation workforce. Right, it's still in existence today. It's like being sent to the Gulag, the Gulag, except it's, you know, go to Siberia and work out in a camp. Except it's here in America. It's Scientology. It's crazy, right? But he basically that was his last straw. So he instead decided to leave Scientology, and of course they remove all his biography from the website because this is one of the top dogs. This Mike Render guy. Okay. Now, in 2010, Rinder appeared on, quote, The Secrets of Scientology, another BBC series. He discussed his life, losing his family, and behind-the-scenes activity in Scientology. Listen, this was a nugget. The documentary claims that private auditing sessions, when people are going in there and they're spilling their beans because that glorified ohm meter is telling them, Oh, no, you got, you're holding something back. What is it? There's something secrets going on. Remember that thing? Right? That can be activated in, by, uh, uh, and forced it to go to the right side if you, if, with water and salt, which if you're nervous and somebody's looking at you and staring at you saying something's wrong, what do you do? You sweat and... Anyway, so listen. Private auditing sessions are secretly recorded. Now, isn't that convenient? So now people, this is what he's expo- uh, exposing. So now people are coming to them And they're getting tricked into spilling their guts on some stuff, you know, to get clear. And they're recording that. You think that's not gonna be used for leverage? And listen to they did it on, including once, listen, secrets about Tom Cruise. Because you're gonna see that Tom Cruise and David Miscavige are BFS, best buddies. They ride motorcycles together. They go all over the place together. They are best friends. And I came across this and whatever, it might just be because they really like each other. I thought, well, maybe. See, some of these other stars, they're they're leaving. Maybe Tom Cruise can't leave. Maybe they got something on him that uh, you ever leave, pal. We'll expose what you said at the pop can thing. You see what I'm saying? I can't prove that, but I tell you what, this is what Render's bringing up. They have recorded secrets of these people, including people like Tom Cruise. But let's take a look at a little teaser of what Render exposed on this documentary about the alarming behavior of David Miscavige. Let's take a look.
4: Well he was a Church of Scientology mastermind, the mouthpiece for the cult's global operations, one of the inner circle. But now he's left and speaking for the first time about how the church works. It's explosive stuff and the power brokers of Scientology want to silence him. Tonight Brian Seymour continues his investigation with this world exclusive report. Okay, here's where it gets really weird. Oh I know he's evil. He's definitely evil. This gentleman's been hired by a law firm acting for Scientology to film these people. Is that okay? Uh, No, it's not. No, listen to me! You You
1: are not there at the beginning of that interview!
5: I certainly make clear to John Sweeney and the people at the BBC and Panorama what really happened. We want you to know who we are and what we stand for. How close is he with Tom Cruise? Extremely close. How close? Unnaturally extremely close.
4: Mike Rinder is Australian. He was born in Melbourne and grew up in Adelaide, just two doors down from Cricket Great's The Chapel Brothers. After more than three decades at the top of Scientology International, he left in 2007. This is his first broadcast interview. You have to lie because there's nothing else that you can do. You can't
5: stand on TV and say, oh, yeah, David Miscavige beat people up. Or, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we forced them to disconnect their families.
4: Now, Rinda says he's sorry for lying and he's telling the truth in an effort to stop the abuse. We all know who this is, Less known is his best friend, who happens to be the leader of Scientology. He's the equivalent of the Pope in Scientology. He's the the leader. He's the absolute authority.
5: That's correct. He likes to call himself the, the equivalent of the Pope.
4: Unlike the Pope, who reigns over his faithful through a shared belief of divine providence, Rinder claims Scientology's leader, David Miscavige, uses fear and brutality to control. How often would he lose it? How common was this? You know, a couple of times a week. When Mike Rinder first joined Scientology, he served the founder, L. Ron Hubbard, when he lived on a ship. Then he was promoted by David Miscavige to head the International Office of Special Affairs, the department in Scientology that handles critics and the media. Rinder claims David Miscavige physically assaulted him many times. David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology, creeping up behind you and strangling you. Did that happen? Absolutely.
5: It happened more than once. He's a very volatile personality. He will lash out for uncalled-for
4: reasons. This incident was witnessed by another former Scientologist, Amy Scobie. She ran the Celebrity Centre in Hollywood before she escaped the cult, Amy says this assault happened in early 2001.
3: All of a sudden he just storms in and he grabs Mike around the neck. David Miscavige. David Miscavige grabs Mike around the neck and he starts strangling and shaking him and strangling and holding just this grip and his face is turning colors and you could tell that he couldn't breathe. His eyes are just bugged out and then he takes him and he throws the chair down, throws him by his neck down onto the, the ground and the chair toppled over too.
0: Wow, nice guy, that's your leader. But again, he even takes it even further. I don't know, maybe Hubbard did the same thing. But it's not just intimidation, now this guy is getting bru- brutal with his behavior, even not just sending henchmen to do the dirty work, but even himself, right? Again, his own father, that's his words, not mine, he is ruthless, right? But that's really what's going on behind the scene. Now, since that came out and he's begun to expose, Scientology uh, uh, took his daughter. This is even this year. And uh, Mike Rinder's daughter, uh, Taryn, she has launched uh, with Scientology a, quote, smear campaign against... uh, his father, accusing him of assaulting her mother and all that stuff. Remember what we saw before they would come up with all these different uh, programs and things against anybody that would speak out against them. They would make up stuff. They would threaten them. They would set them up. They would insinuate them with lies and all that stuff. Well, his daughter now is doing that with Scientology, uh, and they're trying to get him fired from his position at the show with Leah Remini, Scientology in the aftermath, right? And uh, so Rinder has said that, quote, he believes the campaign obviously is orchestrated by guess who? Scientology wouldn't be surprising because what's the history record? What's the track record? That's exactly what they do, right? So uh, he's trying to to, uh, cover that. So then uh, that's just the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. It's not just choking people. Uh, It's not just beating people. It's all kinds of stuff. Miscavige has been faced with all kinds of accounts with uh, illegal and unethical practices in Scientology. Uh, uh, by literally himself, not just Scientology. Time Magazine described Miscavige as a quote, ringleader of a hugely profitable global racket that survives by intimidating members and critics in a mafia-like manner. You don't do what they say, we're gonna send the henchmen. Now Render, I don't have time to get into this, other ones, he admits that basically he was one of those henchmen. He would be the one, sometimes uh, Miscavige would do the beating, right? Sometimes he would, he'd tell his henchmen, you go do the beating. But he says, in fact, if you don't go do the beating, right, uh, I'm going to not only do it myself, I'm going to come back and I'm going to beat you. But Mike says he was one of those guys. He was one of the ones that was a henchman. scavenger would do it too. But uh, he, he's coming up. But that's what it was it's like, mafia style, right? That's how he grabs control, even not on the outside, even on the inside of Scientology. Others have continued to report um, on Miscavige that he has repeatedly humiliated and physically beaten his staff, has confined church members in degrading conditions uh, into a property, right, a place called simply The Hole. Right, now, I looked this up. I thought, well, that's just gotta be something. No, it's out there, listen to this. The Hole is the name of the facility operated by Scientology on their big facility called Gold Base. And this is in Hemet, where we were just a couple weeks ago, preaching at that conference, right? It's like, wow. And and my first response was, wow, I should have went in there and chucked out the hole. But when you hear about what's going on in the hole... No, well I'm glad we just came back to Vegas, right? (laughs) But this gold base, this gold base, uh, it's also known as the Golden Air Productions. They do a lot of the filming stuff that's there. Uh, It's also called INT base, I-N-T, INT base or INT, but is the the confidential de facto international headquarters of Scientology. Up to 1,000 members, 1,000, it's a huge complex. 1,000 of their Sea Org elite, are at this place. They live and work there. According to some former members, listen to this, you go, wow, they must be living good. Well, David Miscavige is. Listen to this. Conditions are harsh with staff members paid only $50 for a 100-hour week. That's slave labor. And subjected to punishments for failing to meet work quotas, right? Media reports have stated around 100 people a year. This is going on right now as we sit here. More than 100 people a year try to escape from this place, but most are soon caught and returned by, listen, pursuit teams. That's the mafia coming to get you. So now not only do they have their own CIA, their own military, basically, they've just changed the names. Now you got your own mafia. It's crazy. That's why this thing is still in existence, not because it's so true, so wonderful, lives are so changed. It's because it's a cash-making cow, and through fear, intimidation, and brutality, they're keeping it going just like Hubbard, right? Still going on today. They also, uh, uh, but what, what does Scientology say? Oh, no, 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 no. They, they call the base, it is a, quote, ideal setting for professional and spiritual growth. I don't think so. But let's get back to the whole, because I got some info on the whole. According to former members, uh, David Miscavige sends dozens of even senior Scientology executives into this place. It is, this isn't just the, the low people that get out of line. It's anybody, even the right-hand people, whatever. Don't, he uses this fear and intimidation. He said, you're going to the hole. Now... Uh, One newspaper described this place, The Hole, as a, quote, place of confinement and humiliation where Scientology's management culture has gone extreme. Inside of this place is a hoo-hoos of Scientology's leadership, uh, and they go at each other with brutal tongue lashings, even hands and fists. They intimidate each other around into crawling on their knees, standing in trash cans, and confessing to things they haven't even done. They live in degrading conditions, eating and sleeping in cramped spaces designed for office use. That sounds like a POW camp or something crazy. But this is Scientology here in the United States of America, right? Okay. In fact, talk about the beatings or beating on people. Leah Remedy recently in an interview, she talks about these people are so brainwashed. They're so intimidated by fear that they think they deserve the beatings. Watch this. This is a little short clip here. I think one of the things, when I was just watching the show, it's one of the uh, allegations in the show that you, that that and it's, th- again, this is not just you, you're talking to a lot of people mm-hmm. who used to be in the church, are not in the church right. anymore, and they're talking to you, and everyone's sharing their experiences, and I think that's what, what gives the series a lot of power, is it's people talking, and a lot of them talk about being physically assaulted. Sure. They'll disagree with someone in the church who outranks them, and that person will just start hitting them, Correct. and they say no one in the room will do anything, and the person who's being assaulted actually says, I didn't do anything, I just stood there and let them hit me. Right. And I watched that as an adult and I don't understand how that's
2: possible. It's, it's possible because if you believe that you have barred freeing mankind, that, that, that your transgression of not putting a cup where it should be, or um, giving Somehow somebody. Somehow impeded the progress it's, of the church. Correct, yeah. correct. And so they start to believe that they deserve to be. They
0: deserve this punishment. Correct. That's twisted. That's like, unfortunately, when folks get, you know, repeatedly abused with spousal abuse, their thinking gets, oh, it's my fault, it's my fault. Right? That's a cult. That's what, this is what cults do. It's Scientology here in the United States of America. Let's continue on uh, with the hole. Individuals, listen, when they get sent there, listen, some of them said they didn't just spend months there, they spent years, years in the hole, okay? Uh, After a few managed to escape the hole and Scientology, they gave their accounts to experiences to the media, to the courts, even the FBI. But for some reason, it just still keeps going. I wonder why. Maybe somebody in D.C. has got some dirt on somebody. How do you get away with this stuff? Somebody knows something on somebody, right? That's my theory. But anyway, so they say, listen, the the Church of Scientology, I, I didn't even want to use that word, Scientology has denied those accounts. It says, listen to what they say. The whole does not exist and never has. And nobody is being held against their will. You could repeat after me. Liar, liar. Pants umum onum on fire. Okay. But anyway, are you kidding me? And not only is it not only real, but one guy, he described it, uh, ex-members, quote, comparable to that of a North Korean death camp. This thing exists. In fact, I'm going to share with you real quick Here's just, I can't even share the whole thing. There's just no, I had to pare this down. But here's just a little tip. Nobody's being held against their will. The, 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 there's no beatings no, this, no this, this place doesn't even exist. What are you talking about? Listen to what's going on there in Southern California. This, oh, and by the way, this is just one place. They've got these places all over, right? That you could be shipped to if you get out of line, right? But here's just a teaser of what is going on right now in this place called the hole. Look, let's take a look.
6: Former Scientology executive Debbie Cook was the first to give sworn testimony about a place known as The Hole. But other church defectors, speaking with the Tampa Bay Times, have expanded on her account, offering the fullest picture yet of the troubling events that occurred there. The defectors also were interviewed by FBI agents, who focused on The Hole as they investigated the church's working conditions. The whole was a building made of several double-wide mobile homes on the west side of Scientology's 500-acre compound, 80 miles east of Los Angeles. Constructed in the late 1990s, it served for years as office space for Scientology's international management team. Then, around 2004, according to defectors, it became a place of punishment as Scientology leader David Miscavige grew increasingly unhappy with the performance of the church's top officers. The leader ordered them to own up to their failings in group confessions, the defectors say. All were members of Scientology's religious order, the Sea Org. At first, about 40 men and women occupied the hole. Later, the number grew to a 100, as Miscavige deemed more and more officers to be underperforming. Scientology's former spokesperson, Mike Rinder, says he was there from the start.
5: This practice of group confessions grew up in the hole. And it was some thing where Miscavige has developed this idea that you had to confess to your peers all of your horrible transgressions and that they were supposed to extract out of you these transgressions, particularly related to your theoretical transgressions against Miscavige himself. Like, what have you done to COB? What have you done to try and hurt COB? What have you done here? What have you, I mean, this is like the mantra of the whole. This would be carried out by whoever happened to be there, 20 people, 30 people, 50 people, all standing up there and screaming at you about, tell us what!" And eventually, you know, it it sort of devolved into ultimately physical violence and torture to extricate these, quote, confessions out of people.
6: John Brousseau had been a member of the Sea Org since 1978. Brousseau said he received an urgent call from Miscavige's secretary
3: Elan Baram. He called me down to what was called the CMO Int Trailers. So I went down there and I met him and he said to me COB wants this place made secure He's worried that some of these people might blow. He wants you to put steel bars on all the doors except these.
6: Brousseau suggested that screwing the doors closed might be more secure.
3: He said, no. COB said put steel bars on. You're not going to alter it. Put steel bars on. I said, okay, I'll put steel bars on. So I went down to the garage and... uh, went into an area that was a stockpile of building materials that I was very familiar with and I found some real heavy uh... tubular steel It was chrome plated so I went over to the engineering department with this stuff and I cut pieces to the exact right length I needed to span these doors I went to a drill press and I drilled two holes in each end and I grabbed some really strong steel screws and I grabbed my cordless screw gun and I drove up there and I went to the first door and I put the bar on and I shot two screws in the left, two screws in the right, the next door, same thing. All the doors except for the doors that were designated as the only entry and exit.
6: Brousseau said he also drove special screws in all the windows to ensure they opened only about four inches. The hole now had a security guard at the door around the clock, according to Rinder and other defectors. Meals were brought in from the mess hall because the executives were not allowed to eat with the rest of the staff. Everyone in the building spent nights in sleeping bags or on cots. Some occupants had spent months or years in the hole. Rinder said it was taking a toll.
5: By late 2006, this had degenerated from not just screaming at people to get them to, quote, confess to whatever bizarre stuff someone had thought up that they had done. But this is the, the beginning of the trash cans, putting people to stand in um, big trash cans, putting signs around people's necks with various things, you know, I'm an SP, I'm, I'm CI, whatever, to actual physical torture of people who were theoretically not cooperating. I mean, on many occasions people were slapped, punched, kicked, pushed, shoved, thrown up against the wall. Um, That was relatively routine behavior in the hole by that time.
6: Rousseau often saw the occupants of the hole as security guards marched them two abreast to a nearby maintenance garage to take showers. Mike Rinder said managers demanding confessions would order people to crawl laps around a conference table. They told them to roll up their pant legs so their knees scraped against the rough indoor-outdoor carpeting.
5: There's all sorts of written confessions that people have done and they, they read like North Korean POW write-ups.
6: A church lawyer told ABC News that the hole does not exist and never has. You can
0: repeat after me again, Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's crazy. Hey, that's stuff that you hear stories about going on in Russia, maybe in China, maybe North Korea. United States, are you kidding me? How are these guys getting away with this? It's leaking out in the media, right? Documentaries even being made about it. There's whistleblowers. How is nobody being prosecuted? Hmm, I think somebody's got some dirt. On somebody. I wonder why they got themselves planted in Washington, D.C. But his dad called him ruthless for a reason. And uh, because now there's another big scandal that's out. His wife, Shelly Miscavige, has been missing for 10 years. What has happened to Shelly Miscavige? I thought I was going to get into that tonight. I was prepared to get into that tonight. But time, our greatest enemy, is going to keep us from. So we'll deal with that, Lord willing. The mystery of Shelley Miscavige and the testimony of Ron Miscavige, uh, David's father, who has come out against his own son. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down, we deserve to go to hell. Now to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have that we're separated from God not only now, but we're gonna be separated from him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, We don't even want to admit that. So once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, The the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the only name the Bible says under heaven, that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin, then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, Then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of 10 of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what he already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven. In that state, you're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then He could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, We see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and and, and the, the sentence has passed. The judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail. You are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time, and they go to jail. But believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, all of it, even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today, because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, Please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see
3: you in heaven. God bless.